So yesterday, after we were talking with Luke Patrick from Reality Sports Online, the fantasy doc OC, I told you about The Athletic, which I am really, really high on. So that's why I wanted to start today's Tears of Ebon running back episode by telling you about The Athletic. I'm sure by now you guys have heard about it. If you haven't, you should. It's a subscription-based publisher of better, smarter sports coverage for diehard fans like you guys. Here's the model, right? It's essentially the cost of a cup of coffee a month, but then there's no ads, no annoying pop-ups, no autoplay videos that drive me crazy, just in-depth, awesome coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. You have access to local and national content. I'm a big fan. I mean, I, I, I've been hearing about it for a while. I know they're growing. Jason Stark, Seth Davis. I told you yesterday, Bruce Feldman, his, his freaks article he does every year and is now doing the athletic. That's a must read. You know, we talk about that, that article for the college draft every single year. Bruce Feldman's freak list. That's like, NFL scouts look at that. It is awesome. It's that cool. Highly encourage you guys to give The Athletic a chance. Here's the URL, theathletic.com slash fantasy feast. So they know when you, that you go there, you came from us. 40% off a first-year subscription. So three bucks a month. Three bucks a month? That's well worth not getting the pop-ups and the videos, let alone getting all these awesome writers. It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Evan Silva. Me so hungry. On the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eaten Podcast. Tears of Evan. So nice we do it twice. Today is all about Evan's running backs. Looking for a place to make your online wagers? Head to betonline.ag. Use promo code PODCAST1 to receive a 50% sign-up bonus today. Betonline.ag, your online sports book experts. All right, Evan. Let's do it, baby. It is time for your tears. I love it. Running backs, obviously, a very important position. Want to go through your different tiers and make sure we know exactly where each one of these guys stacks up. Reminder, by the way, that any of you can and should get in on the season-long league and go against Evan and I here on the Fantasy Feast by taking advantage of any of our sponsors. Anybody you hear on the show, anybody that we tweet about at Ross Tucker NFL, at RTF Podcast, at Evan Silva, anybody on the sponsor page over at RossTucker.com, any of them, you can get in on this and go head to head with me, Evan, and a bunch of other listeners to the show. So those of you that have been listening to me on Ross Tucker Football Podcast for a while, you know I'm a big fan of SeatGeek, and it's Thursday. Evan and I are recording this on a Wednesday, but it's Thursday. We've got 12 preseason games tonight, and I'm telling you guys, you can go to some of these preseason games for so 
so little money. The key, though, is to get the SeatGeek app on your phone, or even if you just want to go to the Counting Crows and Live concert tomorrow night and say what's up and holler at your boy, me. Either way, whether you're getting tickets for a concert or tickets for a preseason game, the key is to have the SeatGeek app on your phone and to use the code FEAST so that you get $20 back on your first purchase. So you're already, so what it does is it's almost like kayak, like it scans all the different ticket sites out there and gives you the best seats, the best price. So you know, like when you're buying your airline tickets on kayak, and then you get $20 off when you use the code FEAST. So it's a major, major win win. Get the app on your phone. Put the code FEAST in when you make your first purchase. Just put them in the promo code so you don't forget if you're not going to get tickets now. And then go to some preseason games or a preseason game with your family for cheap. Or come to the concert with me tomorrow night because that's how I got my tickets to Counting Crow and Live. It's the SeatGeek app and it's the promo code FEAST. Like we do, Scott Sheriff, Kenny Loggins, Carrie Underwood. A dude's a real musician, real guy right there. So we got the best musician, and we've got the best fantasy expert in the galaxy. All of the different websites know what they're doing. They know it. It's Evan Silva from Roto World. It's time, Evan. It's Running Back Tears, one of our most listened to shows of the year. And we'll start with your tier one guys. Read them. Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell, Zeke Elliott, David Johnson, and Alvin Kamara. I go back and forth, by the way, between Kamara and Kamara. I got to I gotta figure that one out. Um, so it's kind of like, like Delaney and Delaney, you know? No, because Kamara and Kamara is, like, acceptable. Delani was never, ever for a second. I, I talked to him, and he said that's why he keeps getting all these contracts into his 30s and playing well. The disrespect of knowing that you called him Delani Walker on the Fantasy Feast podcast for years has really fueled his career. <laughs> I, I will take that credit. Um, all right, here's what we got. Tier one, who are these dudes? They're, they're the studs, obviously. Yeah, these are the most valuable commodities in all of fantasy football. I think that they should make up five of the first six picks in virtually any fantasy draft 
um, with Antonio Brown mixed in. Todd Gurley, you know, he was unlocked last year with uh, Sean McVay using him more in the passing game. Previously, he had lost passing down snaps to Benny Cunningham under Jeff Fisher. McVay starts feeding him the rock in the passing game. Todd Gurley just takes off. Only Alvin Kamara uh, had more receiving yards among running backs last year. Rams returned all five offensive line starters after those massive additions of Andrew Whitworth and John Sullivan last year. They got back Rob Havenstein healthy. Uh, they have a very, very good offensive line. Uh, so he is my overall RB1. I'm sticking with Le'Veon Bell uh, as my overall RB2. Uh, over the last two seasons, his average 27.5 touches per game. Last year set a career high with 85 catches. There is some reason to believe that he could start slow. He started last year slow after his holdout. I think he's going to report right around that same date. Uh, last year he came back around uh, September 1st, and I think that that's kind of the over-under for when he will report. Uh, but he also is returning all five offensive line starters, although – Ramon Foster uh, got hurt early in camp, and I'm not sure he'll be ready for week one, but even then he'd be bringing back four or five, uh, and I think that Le'Veon Bell is safe, high upside, very, very good offense. Um, and, uh, and then my, you know, so those are my top two. My number three, I keep going back and forth on David Johnson and Ezekiel Elliott. I think that there are, uh, the way that I've kind of settled on it is that in full PPR leagues, I'm going with David Johnson because Ezekiel Elliott has only averaged 2.3 targets per start in the NFL, and David Johnson has averaged 5.6 targets per start in the NFL. David Johnson, he's repeatedly stated that his goal is to become the first running back since Marshall Falk to go for a thousand rushing yards and a thousand receiving yards. He came oh so close in 2016, only to uh, tear his MCL in that week 17 game. And um, he was off to a monster start in that game. He almost got there. I think that he can get there this year, but his offensive line is rough, man. And they just lost their they're starting center, A.Q. Shipley. So they're going to be relying on a rookie in Mason Cole, third-round pick out of Michigan who played left tackle uh, his final year there to be their starting center. And the rest of their positions on the offensive line are, you know, they have a bottom five offensive line. Um, so I don't think that they're going to be imposing their will with the run. They need to feed him in the passing game. That's really has been his strength. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott much better situation from an offensive line standpoint also has the dual threat quarterback. We know how that can spike rushing efficiency. I think that just in terms of sheer workload, no running back in the NFL has a higher projection or higher upside than Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott getting 380 to 400 carries this year, I think is like a possibility assuming that he is able to maintain full health throughout the season their passing game looks really really weak I mean they have nothing at pass catcher they're talking about Blake Jarwin as their starting tight end you know they've got Alan Hearns who's already injured he was supposed to be their number one struggling with a groin pull in uh, camp already 
you know, Michael Gallup, the third round pick. I mean, that's a lot to ask for a third round pick to carry a passing offense. I, I just think that Ezekiel Elliott's workload is huge. So, or his potential is huge. So, in um, 0.5 PPR and standard, I'm going with Zeke Elliott. And in full PPR, I'm going with David Johnson. Now, Alvin Kamara is kind of a hot button guy because people like to talk about regression with him. You know, regression means regression to the mean. And so you have to actually have a mean in order to have regression to the mean. So what is the mean for Alvin Kamara? No one can really say that. I mean, he's he's given us one season of incredible efficiency uh, in which he opened the season for the first month plus playing behind both Mark Ingram and Adrian Peterson. He only averaged... Uh, and then the rest of the way, he uh, he uh, shared time with Mark Ingram. He only averaged 7.5 carries per game, and dude finished as a top-five fantasy running back. That's pretty m- remarkable, okay? He had 100 targets as a rookie playing in this timeshare. I think he could, he could catch 100 passes this, this season. I mean, I think that that is a distinct possibility. And you combine that with, you know, spiking his rushing attempts per game from 7.5 to 12.5, you, know, you can. I don't want to hear about regression to the mean with Alvin Kamara anymore because it's not. It's not applicable. First of all, we don't know what the mean is. Second of all, it can be offset by a a large spike in usage, which is going to happen. And you look at the last five games of this of this from the Saints last year, and I mean they were giving him the ball on the goal line over Mark Ingram. He had seven carries inside the ten compared to Mark Ingram's one during that span. So Alvin Kamara locked into uh, my first year. Saints have a top two offensive line and one of the highest scoring uh, offenses in football. Tier number two, it is Melvin Gordon, Saquon Barkley, Leonard Fournette, Kareem Hunt, and Christian McCaffrey. RBs six through ten for you. Yeah, we talked about Melvin Gordon a lot on the show with uh, Fantasy Doc, uh, Luke Patrick, who did an excellent job. We agreed on, like, everything. Um, we And we talked – he mentioned how Melvin Gordon has lacked efficiency. That's undeniable. I mean, that that is true, and it's not just yards per carry. It's also success rate. He has not been an efficient runner in the NFL. The Chargers also have not put him in very run-friendly situations. They've banged him – uh, into brick walls on first and 10 behind a bad offensive line. Offensive line should be better this year. And over the second half of the of last season, they banged him into the brick walls on first and 10 less and less and uh, experienced a lot of lot, you know, improved success because of that. Um, his targets and catches have r- risen each season he's been in the league. Over the last two seasons, He's uh, he leads the NFL in total carries inside the five-yard line with 31. Um, the offensive line is better. Uh, he has one of the softest schedules in the NFL, and that sets up for run-friendly game scripts. Saquon Barkley, my RB7, you know, when I was watching him play, he reminded me a lot of David Johnson coming out of college. Um, you know, not necessarily a, a great or dominant inside runner, but, like, the, the perfect running back for today's NFL. Um, really could probably be a starting wide receiver in the NFL. 
I think. I mean, he is that good of a receiver. He led the NCAA in both receiving yards and yards after the catch. His final season at Penn State was incredible in the return game as well. Of course, he went to the combine and completely tore the cover off. Um, I think that Melvin Gordon at, and, and uh, Saquon Barkley at the top of this tier both have distinct chances to finish as tier one running backs. And, I mean, it's very conceivable that Saquon Barkley next year is like a top three overall pick. I mean, that's that's how freaking talented this guy is. I don't want to hear about, oh, he's never done it before. You know, where were those people when, when they missed on Ezekiel Elliott a couple of years back? It's a very, very similar situation. Uh, Saquon Barkley confidently, my RB7. Leonard Fournette, my RB8 in the second tier. Definitely another guy who could end up scoring uh, in that first tier range last season and the season before. The biggest concern with Leonard Fournette really is the ankle because this is a multi-year injury that has cost him playing time in both college and the pros. But, you know, if you just isolate the games that he played in last year and you include the playoffs, he played in 16 games. Dude totaled 1,628 yards from scrimmage, 14 touchdowns. Um, so, you know, there are some warts here with Leonard Fournette. The ankle, he, he's not going to catch the ball, you know, at, at – at as high of a volume as Alvin Kamara or, you know, David Johnson or um, Saquon Barkley, I, I think will even Melvin Gordon. Uh, but man, his touchdown upside is very, very high. And they, this is another team that has a very uh, uh, easy schedule and add, added Andrew Norwell, one of the best run blocking guards in football. Kareem Hunt, my RB nine led the NFL in rushing as a rookie was pretty inconsistent over the course of the year. Um, you know, he, he had his fast finish after Matt Nagy took over as the Chiefs play caller. And Matt Nagy, of course, is now gone to Chicago. Offensive line is eh. They have a couple of position battles going on there. Not great. Um, we have the uncertainty at quarterback. Um, you know, I, I have optimism on Patrick Mahomes, but... I've had optimism on, on plenty of players over the years and, you know, that didn't necessarily pan out. Uh, I, I do, you know, because especially because of Andy Reid, I do have a higher level of confidence that Patrick Mahomes is going to work out. But it's it's not a guarantee. Spencer Ware is due back. I mean, he was cleared for the start of training camp. He would, did not open on PUP. Kareem Hunt had a couple of off-field off incidents that have been very – like no one really talks about them. Um, you know, nothing. It seems like nothing is going to come from them. But you never know with the NFL. I mean, they, they, you know, they they hand down discipline at their own discretion. It's not. It's never really clear how they're going to hand out discipline or you know on what grounds. But they can do it whenever they want. And so that is something that we should at least file away or that should at least be mentioned with regard to Kareem Hunt. And I am going, I'm kind of taking a stand on Christian McCaffrey. I know that people have scoffed at Norv Turner and Ron Rivera coming out and saying that they think that Christian McCaffrey can get 25 touches per game. And look, I, I think that that's unrealistic as well. But it's also an indication that they want him to be their feature back, you know, that they want him to take that second year leap. He only averaged 12.3 touches per game as a rookie. They think that he's a better runner 
between the tackles that he showed. He should be highly involved in the passing game. I mean, he led the NFL, all NFL running backs and targets as a rookie. Uh, I don't think he's going to do that again because they added DJ Moore. They get back Greg Olson, and they're just they have just more options to throw to in the passing game. But I think if we can get him to say 16 to 19 touches per game, uh, he becomes a really, really strong RB1, uh, particularly in PPR. As a rookie, he finishes the RB10 overall in PPR and the RB15 in non-PPR. And again, that was only with 12 touches per game. Um, Their offensive line has been decimated already in training camp. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing, though. For Christian McCaffrey, if it adds up to more, you know, or uh, you know, sustained short passes to get the ball out of Cam's hands quickly and get the ball into the hands of Christian McCaffrey in space, like I, I like that bet. I'm willing to take that bet. Um, you know, so I have Christian McCaffrey as my RB10, and I've been hammering him in the second round of drafts. Tier number three. You've got Devontae Freeman, Jordan Howard, Jarek McKinnon, Dalvin Cook. A lot of these guys are guys we talked about in yesterday's episode of people that were people were higher or lower than on. Uh, Joe Mixon at 15, Alex Collins at 16, and LaShawn McCoy at 17, Evan. Yeah, I titled the first tier the week winners. You know, the every down back week winners. I titled the second tier the rest of the RB1s. And then this tier is called the high-end RB2s with RB1 upside. So these are guys that you can draft in an RB2 cost and I think can finish as RB1s. Uh, Tevin Coleman's presence obviously limits Devontae Freeman to some extent. But Devontae Freeman being in this off, he's, he's, he's you know very secure from a job security standpoint and you look at the how the falcons played last year they were number three in the nfl in yards per play they were number three in the nfl in yards per drive 15th in scoring i think that you know for a team that and we expected them to have negative regression after that monster 2016 season they were changing coordinators etc i think that they'll be better in year two under steve sarkeesian they were they moved the ball last year i mean that really wasn't a problem it was red zone execution I think that they are going to score more touchdowns, and Devontae Freeman has severely outcarried and out-targeted Tevin Coleman in scoring position over the last two years. So I think that Devontae Freeman is very high floor, uh, middle to late second round pick, uh, and he's definitely a guy that I'm willing to draft pretty aggressively. Uh, Jordan Howard. You know, I think that they're going to make major strides offensively, moving from John Fox to, to Matt Nagy, and um, that really it really stands out where they can uh, benefit most, especially in the running game, is by using more shotgun. The Bears last year were a fifty percent shotgun team. Matt Nagy's Chiefs were a seventy six percent shotgun team, and in his career, Jordan Howard has averaged six and a half yards per carry on runs from shotgun, and only four yards per carry on runs from under center. You go back and, and watch him in Indiana. He was running out of the shotgun all the time. So uh, I like that transition. And look, they, they, you know, I, I'm a, not necessarily a believer in Jordan Howard suddenly becoming a passing game asset, but the mere fact that Matt Nagy has talked about 
having a willingness to use him more in the passing game, that is a positive in my mind. Uh, Jarek McKinnon is my RB13, right behind Jordan Howard, right ahead of Dalvin Cook. Most of the positivity on Jarek McKinnon is tied to the offense and Kyle Shanahan. Uh, But betting against Kyle Shanahan running backs has been a losing proposition for nearly a decade. And if you want to go back and extend it to his dad, you know, multiple decades. You don't want to bet against these Shanahan running backs. Um, you know, and, and if you're not going to take McKinnon, like take Matt Breida late, you know, take him in the 12th and 13th round. He is a major sleeper. Uh, with Dalvin Cook, you know, we, we t- discussed this one extensively on the show with the fantasy doc, Luke Patrick. I w- would encourage anyone to go listen to that. Uh, Dalvin Cook is my RB14. Joe Mixon is my RB15. Uh, so this is kind of a leap of faith. I mean, Joe Mixon really did not show us very much at all as a rookie. Uh, he reported to uh, their offseason program last year at 238 pounds. Uh, he's down to 218 this year. So I do like to hear that. Their, offense, their offensive line should at least be a little bit closer to competent this year. Uh, after acquiring Cordy Glenn at left tackle and using their first-round pick on Billy Price. Um, I, I still am kind of wary that he's going to end up in, in a uh, timeshare with Giovanni Bernard, though. I mean, Giovanni Bernard was so much better than Joe Mixon in his opportunities last season. RB16, Alex Collins averaged ni- over 19 touches per game after taking over as the Ravens starter from Week 8 on. Kenneth Dixon has been hurt, uh, you know, basically for over a year and a half. I mean, missed all of 2017 with a torn meniscus and substance abuse and PED suspensions uh, and has struggled with a hamstring injury throughout Ravens camp so far. And then, you know, the only other real competitor uh, for work there in the Ravens backfield is Buck Allen. And we kind of know what Buck Allen is. I mean, I think he's a solid you know, backup in the NFL, but not a guy that is going to challenge Alex Collins for that starting job. And the Ravens get both of their guards back, Alex Lewis and Marshall Yanda. Um, And they became much more of a run heavier team last year, finished seventh in the NFL in rushing attempts. So I think I'm higher on Alex Collins, I think, than consensus. I get him a lot in drafts. LaShawn McCoy at RB 17 would be a lot higher, except for the off field issue. Um, and also, the, you know, just the state of the offense as a whole. I mean, their offensive line has been destroyed. They're still playing uh, by free agency losses and retirement uh, and trades. They're still um, playing musical chairs, especially on the interior offensive line, trying to figure out how all those guys are going to go together. And, um, you know, nothing is even settled there. That's concerning. I just I don't think they're going to score many points. But LaShawn McCoy, with that said, I mean, he has a very high – workload projection and he would be higher here if not for that off-field issue nothing has come of it so far um but you know i definitely think you need to build that risk into your outlook for Lashawn mccoy and i feel comfortable there with him at rb17 
You know, Evan, I've told you this every year, but I, I really like when I see that guys lost weight. I'm not as keen on the guys that gain weight. Yep. And sometimes a guy gains weight and he does great. Sometimes a guy loses weight and he does crappy. But, man, if you look at the history, there's pretty large percentages for both those. And we'll see about LaShawn McCoy. It's, I think we talked about this before, but it's been pretty quiet, um, which is usually a good sign, but that doesn't mean – Something still might not be coming down the pike. How about Tier 4? Derek Henry, who we talked about on yesterday's episode of The Feast. Jay Ajayi, Darius Geis, Rex Burkhead, and Kenyon Drake. Yeah, so these guys are high-ceiling running back twos with workload concerns. So they have big upsides, okay, if everything kind of breaks right for them. But as it stands now, they don't project to be like full-time feature backs. Uh, RB18, Derrick Henry. You know, we talked about him so much with uh, the fantasy doc. You should go listen to that. Obviously, Titans signed Deion Lewis, four years, 20 million. Derrick Henry right now does not look like a workhorse back. Uh, but, man, his touchdown upside is, is really, really high. Uh, and, you know, he is a guy that I've been trying to take, just soak up in best ball because I think that he can be a league winner. Um, I did a pros versus Joes draft on the FFPC, was very, very happy to get him on there, even though his you know, his uh, receiving projection is low. Um, I'm willing to, you know, concede that in exchange for a guy that I think could score 11, 12, you know, even 15 touchdowns if everything kind of goes right for him. Um, Jay Ajayi at RB19 did not have a single carry inside the five-yard line all last season, including with both Philadelphia and Miami. That's a little concerning. I mean, they were given the – they had Corey Clement in there even over Jay Ajayi uh, in scoring position last year. Now, he was re- acquired, you know, on Halloween. So it's certainly possible that they just didn't want to put him in that in those crucial scoring position situations because he maybe just didn't know the offense well enough. You know, and I, I do expect him to get more opportunities in scoring position this year. But he's probably not going to catch a ton of passes. He's always got that. You know, that, that kind of weird, awkward gait because of that knee injury. Um, you know, you never know when that's going to, you know, start costing him games. It, it hasn't to this point, although it did cost him a ton of practice time last year. Um, you know, he's he's got a lot of, like, red flags, but I like his price right now, and he definitely has upside behind a very good offensive line and uh, on a, a high-scoring offense. So I've been drafting him, uh, you know, a decent amount. Jay Ajayi. Next up, Darius Geis at RB20. He's got the workload concern from Chris Thompson. Uh, and he still has to win the starting job. I mean, Jay Gruden has been talking about how it's still a competitive situation between him and Rob Kelly and Samaje Piran. Darius Geis is so much more talented than the other guys, and I think that he's going to win it you know, with, with flying colors going away uh, before the season starts. But you know, still something worth noting. And you know, he's not going to catch many passes because Chris Thompson is one of the best pass-catching RBs in football. Rex Burkhead has just kept elevating. Uh, you know, Sony Michelle uh, undergoes the knee procedure. He's going to miss all preseason. He was fumbling in camp. 
Before that, wasn't really making any moves up the depth chart. Uh, you know, only caught nine passes his final season at Georgia. So you know, Rex Burkett, he's going to open the season as the Patriots starting running back. And that has a lot of value. I know that a lot of people are, are afraid of, of Patriots running backs because they think the usage won't be there. You know, no team has scored more rushing touchdowns than the Patriots over the last six years. Rex Burkhead is an excellent receiver, actually ran a pass route on 52% of his snaps last season. Only Alvin Kamara among running backs averaged more yards per route run. Rex Burkhead is the perfect Patriot, and uh, he's going to get the ball on the goal line, I expect. And he has very, very big upside, even for a guy who they should not be giving the ball more to more than 11 to 14 times per game. Uh, but, man, he can – He's got big playability and very, very high touchdown upside, and uh, he's excellent in the passing game. So, you know, even for a guy that is not, I don't think we'll ever have a monster workload in New England. Uh, he he can he can still really really be efficient on like a points per touch fantasy points per touch basis, especially in that offense. That's always an offense to invest in. You know, the the suckers are the guys who try to avoid that offense. And you know, finish in ninth place every year. The the league winners go get Patriots. Um, Kenyon Drake at RB twenty two. I'm just concerned that Frank Gore is going to end up uh, eating into his workload more than a lot of people expect. Even last year, after the Dolphins traded Jay Ajayi, they were still using Damian Williams uh, in a committee with Kenyon Drake, and then Damian Williams. Uh, hurt his shoulder and Kenyon Drake uh, took over thereafter, but you know, that's what needed to happen. And I think that Frank Gore is likelier than not to, to fill into that Damian Williams role. Let's get to tier five, Evan. And here's the list. We're getting more volume of players. Now Lamar Miller, Ronald Jones, Rashad Penny, the aforementioned Deion Lewis, Tevin Coleman, Carrion Johnson, Mark Ingram, Marshawn Lynch, who we touched on on yesterday's episode with the Fantasy Doc Ock. I thought it was Fantasy Doc OC, by the way, but Fantasy Doc Ock, uh, Royce Freeman, and Jamal Williams. Yeah, these are RB2 slash 3 flex plays uh, who can become more than that, um, but that's the way that we should be viewing them right now for you know, individual reasons. Um, they project as significant contributors in significant contributors, but they're either like involved in committees or, uh, they have a question. We have question marks about their talent or there are significant job security concerns. Um, with Lamar Miller, Dante Foreman seems unlikely to pose any kind of threat to him early in the season. It looks like Dante Foreman is headed for reserve PUP, but it just, it bothers me, you know, maybe too much, I guess, that Alfred Blue outcarried Lamar Miller forty-six to twenty-seven in the final three weeks of last season. That that still it sticks with me, you know, and it's a reason that I've been willing to take Alfred Blue in some late best balls. I think he's kind of locked into that number two running back position uh, and could be also a threat to Lamar Miller's work near the goal line. Um, Ronald Jones, you know, he could get hit on multi, from multiple on multiple fronts because you have Charles Sims in the passing game role and you have Peyton Barber in that goal, 
goal line role. Peyton Barber, by the way, had a ton of uh, usage uh, down in scoring position last season, despite not even playing a whole lot. His role is going to be bigger this year. I think he's going to enter the season as the Buccaneer starter. Um, Ronald Jones never has been involved in the passing game uh, in college or even in high school. Uh, so, And I think that that's going to be a bad team this year, not an impose our will sort of running team. Ronald Jones did a lot of exciting things on college tape. I mean, he reminded me a lot of Tevin Coleman, uh, but I'm not sure that the receiving or the touchdown upside is going to be there with him. Uh, you know, with Rashad Penny, he keeps moving down for me. I mean, the more the, the more positivity that I hear about Chris Carson, you know, and the more that we hear negativity about their offensive line, like they're already talking about benching their right tackle, Jermaine Ifedi, the, the, le- the less confidence that I have in Rashad Penny. I mean, it looks like he's headed for a committee to open the season. He wasn't used very much in the passing game at San Diego State. Uh, um, you know, I like Chris Carson. I mean, I think that Chris Carson can play. He reminds me of DeMarco Murray, and uh, he is certainly a guy that that coaching staff uh, really likes in Seattle. So I'm not dismissing that kind of stuff. Like, I don't think that, oh, this is some sort of bluff or that they're trying to motivate Rashad Penny. Like, I genuinely think that they like Chris Carson. I don't think that they're trying to, you know, pull the wool over their over our eyes. And they still have C.J. Procise, who, by the way, has stayed healthy throughout this offseason, uh, knock on wood. Uh, but, man, he's a very talented dude, and J.D. McKissick can play in the passing game. So, no thanks. I'm just avoiding this backfield, especially behind this bottom three offensive line in Seattle. Um, carry on Johnson, another guy who can get hit on multiple fronts by LeGarrette Blunt and Theo Riddick. That is always a concern. Uh, Tevin Coleman at RB 27. Uh, he is, you know, he really needs a Devonte Freeman injury to hit. He is a volatile flex play. You can use him as a flex. Sometimes he's certainly worth drafting in the sixth or seventh round, but he's really not going to help you win any weeks uh, unless Devontae Freeman gets hurt. Uh, Deion Lewis, you know, I like him in PPR fine as like a flex option. He's not going to be scoring many touchdowns. I mean, even in New England, they would pull him out at the goal line for Rex Burkhead, LeGarrette Blunt, you know, a number of different figures. And I don't, I certainly don't think that they're going to leave him in at the goal line um, over 247 pound Derrick Henry. Mark Ingram is a fade for me. Uh, I am always surprised at how early he goes in drafts. I have him RB 29. People still take him at RB 20. Uh, he's not, first of all, he's not playing the first four games. Uh, second of all, they were, they started transitioning away from him, uh, you know, down the stretch last season. Uh, he has frustrated Sean Payton by didn't even show up to OTAs. Um, the running backs that they have, you know, he's coming off the PED suspension. I went back and looked at, uh, players that have come back after PED suspensions, and it's super, super bleak. I mean, guys that ha- that get popped for PEDs, when they come back, their performance takes a massive dip. A lot of times they'll be out of the league within a couple of years. Um, so a lot of major concerns there for Mark Ingram. I'm certainly not just penciling him, him in for his usual points per game uh, from week five onward. Uh, Marshawn Lynch, we talked about him a lot on the Fantasy Doc show. 
I would encourage anyone to listen to that. Um, Royce Freeman, I want to see him beat out Devontae Booker. I, you know, I didn't necessarily love Royce, Royce Freeman watching him uh, at Oregon. Uh, he did. He does check a lot of boxes for like metrics. You know, his uh, his combine workout was great, uh, and he was very very productive. Doesn't look like he's going to be used much in the passing game. They view him as more of a banger in Denver. Uh, I want to see him, you know, for me, like I would rather take Devontae Booker in the 12th round than take Royce Freeman in the fourth or fifth round. Uh, maybe I'll be, you know, be proved wrong on that, but that's kind of been my stance so far. And Royce Freeman, you know, to, up to this point, kind of early in camp, has not given any, given me any reasons to back off that. Jamal Williams rounding out the tier. Uh, he is the favorite to open the season as the Packers starter. Aaron Jones, of course, on suspension, has been hurt all camp, was hurt a bunch last year, now dealing with the hamstring, had multiple knee injuries last season or the recurrence of the same knee injury. So he's just shown, like, no reliability. And I think that he is, you know, kind of hurting himself, even though dude is really, really talented. I think it's going to be the Jamal Williams show. Uh, to begin the year, and with Ty Montgomery mixing in. Tier 6. Sony Michelle, Isaiah Crowell, Carlos Hyde, James White, C.J. Anderson, Devontae Booker, Nick Chubb, Tariq Cohen, Aaron Jones, Giovanni Bernard, Chris Thompson, Marlon Mack, Corey Clement, Chris Carson, Matt Breida, Latavius Murray, Bilal Powell, Ty Montgomery, and Peyton Barber. RB three slash floor fours who um, could end up as solid flex plays. Sony Michelle, he's going to need to get healthy and he's going to need to show that he can hang on to the football because he was fumbling early in camp. Um, he's not going to be an asset for us early in the season. I don't care if people say, you know, Hey, Oh, we'll be ready for week one. That doesn't matter. He's not going to be, play- he's not going to be out there playing over Rex Burkhead and James White after missing all of the preseason like that that doesn't happen certainly not in new england isaiah crowell is the favorite for lead back work on the jets although i personally think that Bilal powell is better than him i would rather have Bilal powell in the 13th or 14th round than isaiah crowell in the eighth carlos hyde nick chubb duke johnson you know this is a backfield to avoid on a bad team uh james white he moved up considerably due to the uh, Sony Michelle injury and James White is a guy that I've started to get a lot of, especially in best ball drafts. I think he's going to play a lot more uh, than uh, he did last season, uh, and he's always been very, very good in the passing game. And he's a guy that Tom Brady trusts, and that means a lot. C.J. Anderson is the number two back in Carolina behind Christian McCaffrey. Could end up with a, you know his fair share of goal line work. Devontae Booker. He is the best pass blocking back on the Broncos, the best receiving back on the Broncos. So I like his floor. He's going to be out there. And then if he can hold off Royce Freeman, I think he's got sneaky upside as a very late round pick. Um, Tarek Cohen, you know, it's I, I, I want to kind of believe in Tarek Cohen, but he's a, at the end of the day, he's a gadget player. And we really don't see gadget players become consistent fantasy contributors uh so he is a guy that i you know i'm i'm open to and i've taken a little bit of him myself but mainly in best ball in in redraft i think he's he's a little bit of a tough sell um you know how exactly is is he going to work into this offense and 
can he be a consistent contributor? He teased us last year with uh, over 100 yards from scrimmage in two of the first three games, and then we didn't see him the rest of the way. I understand that Matt Nagy is probably more creative than John Fox and Dowell Loggins, but it's just it's hard to imagine a consistent week-to-week role for, for this guy. Aaron Jones, we mentioned. Uh, Giovanni Bernard, we talked about. You know, He outplayed Joe Mixon last year. And so I think that this could very well be a 50-50, 60-40 thing uh, to open the season. Giovanni Bernard, another guy who goes very, very late. Uh, Chris Thompson, one of the best receiving backs in football, averaged almost 14 yards per reception last year, though. That's going to come way down. His touchdown rate was just absurd. Um, I'm continually surprised at how early he goes in amount of drafts, so many drafts that people wouldn't even probably believe me. Um, Marlon Mack is the favorite to be the Colts lead back, but I think that they're going to be committed to that three to four uh, man RBBC with, um, you know, under Frank Reich, who, who used the, the same kind of strategy in Philadelphia. Um, Matt Breida is the, the value pick running back the Tevin Coleman if you will, in Kyle Shanahan's backfield. Latavius Murray can vulture uh, the the, uh, the goal line stuff away from Dalvin Cook. That's a concern for Cook. Uh, Bilal Powell mentioned how I think he's better than Isaiah Crowell. Um, he's certainly more versatile than Isaiah Crowell, and I think that uh, he is another guy I'm willing to take a shot on late in drafts. What, what really helped uh, Bilal Powell as well was uh, Elijah McGuire, who they had kind of penciled in as their third round back, or their third down back, he fractured his foot, and he's out indefinitely. That is, I, that's a horrible injury for a friggin' running back fracturing your foot. Like, they, we've seen some injury timetables on him, and it's like, oh, I'll be back in a few weeks. Oh, sure, 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 he will. Um, you know, I don't believe that for a second. Ty Montgomery gets interesting. The the more and more that we creep closer to the season. We know that Aaron Jones is out the first two games due to the suspension, and he can't stay healthy. So Ty Montgomery, it's not inconceivable that he could open the season leading the Packers' backfield in snaps. And then Peyton Barber, again, major goal line threat in Tampa Bay. You know, not a special talent, uh, but by far the biggest back on the team and a guy that they have already shown that they feel comfortable giving the ball to in scoring position. Let's get to Tier 7. Seems like this is a lot of the pass catchers, Evan. It's Theo Riddick, Duke Johnson, Frank Gore, Austin Eckler, Naeem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Doug Martin, Spencer Ware, LeGarrette Blunt. maybe not all pass catchers, Jonathan Stewart, Chris Ivory, Buck Allen, and Darren Sproul. So this is the banger and pass catcher. This is like the specialist tier. Yes, yeah, the limited role niche backs, um, whether it be you know the guys who are you know might score six, seven, eight touchdowns like 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 Legarrette Blunt, or might catch sixty passes like Duke Johnson or Theo Riddick, um, Frank Gore. It looks like he's going to play more than people expected in Miami. Listed as a co-starter, I know that Adam Gase after after listing him as that, he said they asked him why he did it. Oh, just to be a a hole. Um, but I don't think he's messing around. Like I think that Frank Gore is actually going to play quite a bit to begin the year. He's a guy that coaching staffs love, and um, you know Kenyon Drake isn't necessarily. Kenyon Drake has something to prove still. Uh, Austin Eckler 
flashed some big time like scat back ability as a rookie. He's only 5'8", 195, did cost the Chargers a couple games with late game fumbles. And, you know, he's got to fix that. But there was a stretch there about three or two or three week stretch where he was severely cutting into Melvin Gordon's playing time and, and touches. And um, he's a guy that's, you know, very interesting. He's going to have to beat out Justin Jackson, the seventh round pick out of Northwestern, who I think is underrated. Um, but I think that Austin Eckler will open the season with a roll, maybe five to eight touches per game. Uh, Naheem Hines has drawn a lot of hype uh, so far, and I, I get it, but I think that he's going to be a, a committee back in Indianapolis with Marlon Mack, who can catch passes, Jordan Wilkins, and then when uh, Robert Turbin returns, uh, I think that he could be a factor as well. Like You look at the backfields that Frank Reich had in Philly, he was using three and four guys on a weekly basis, I think it's going to be similar in Indianapolis. I do think that, you know, certainly in PPR, Naheem Hines has the biggest upside because I mean, he's like a former slot receiver. Um, he's got some Deion Lewis to him. Um, and I think that, you know, he could end up leading. He should end up leading the, the backfield in catches. Jordan Wilkins has a chance to be the banger there. Doug Martin, this is like all, John Gruden and coaching staff stuff because, you know, I don't think much of Doug Martin as a player. He's another guy that, you know, got hit with the PED suspension and just hasn't been the same since. Um, I think he's a guy to bet against, but, you know, there is a possibility that he ends up playing more than we anticipate. And, uh, you know, so we have to kind of account for just being wrong uh, because we're wrong all the time. This stuff is not easy to predict. Spencer Ware back from the PCL, LCL tears or PCL, MCL tears, and um, he's been limited so far, uh, but he could run into a few touchdowns as well as the Garrett Blunt, Jonathan Stewart with the Giants, uh, Chris Ivory in Buffalo. He needs to be on this list just because if LaShawn McCoy misses any time, Chris Ivory becomes the favorite to lead that team in carries. Buck Allen, we talked about him, uh, pretty solid backup and pretty much the clear backup at this point for Alex Collins, who has not proven that he can do it for a full season, only a half season, really, of a good production on Alex Collins' Alex Collins' resume. Uh, Darren Sproles, the number three back in Philadelphia, um, behind Jay Ajayi and Corey Clement. You know, some beat writers have even suggested that Darren Sproles could end up leading the the backfield in snaps. He's the best pass blocking running back on the team, and all reports on his ACL recovery have been glowing so far early in training camp. Last and least, I was going to say certainly not least, but no, it's last and least. It's tier eight. Kenneth Dixon, TJ Yeldon, James Conner, Alfred Blue, Rod Smith, Chase Edmonds, Mike Gillisley, Corey Grant, Terrence West, Jonathan Williams, Jeremy Hill, Deontay Foreman, Kalen Balazs. These are just kind of uh, flyer guys, late round guys. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, these are guys just that we need to have on our radar, you know, in case something kind of goes their way or, you know, hey, they really start, you know, generating a lot of buzz from the coaching staff and the beat writers at practice. Um, just guys that, you know, you want to be aware of, at least. Kenneth Dixon, again, can't shake the injuries. and um, But, hey, you know, if he's able to turn it around, they loved him before he started getting in trouble and getting hurt. So um, he's still someone that, that we should be talking, you know, we should be monitoring. James Conner behind Le'Veon Bell, who does have an injury history, 
who is, you know, coming off of, he's going to be entering the season off another lengthy holdout. Uh, and James Conner apparently has been looking a lot better this camp than last camp. He was terrible in the preseason last year. Um, so he is actually one of the guys that I'm most excited to watch in just in preseason games to see how much he's improved. Uh, TJ Yeldon is technically the number two back behind Leonard Fournette, who of course has those chronic ankle problems. Corey Grant is the number three. Uh, Alfred Blue, we talked about him, how he outcarried Lamar Miller in the final three games of last season. Rod Smith, you know, he becomes real interesting if something happens to Ezekiel Elliott. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, I think he's going to have a huge workload that puts him at enhanced injury risk, uh, and he's also has a history of getting in trouble a little bit off the field. So Rod Smith is certainly a guy to have on our radars. The Cowboys have not used Tavon Austin at running back at all. He's been a receiver for them. Uh, Rod Smith is the clear number two in Dallas with Bo Scarborough behind him. Bo Scarborough, of course, seventh-round pick out of Alabama. Chase Edmonds already the number two in Arizona behind David Johnson, who tore his MCL in week 17 of the 2016 season and then missed almost all of last year with a broken wrist. Uh, I love Chase Edmonds, and he is a guy that uh, I've been stocking up in Dynasty. Um, I, I think he's a baller. Reminds me of Devontae Freeman. I'm excited to see him in preseason games. Mike Gillisley is kind of back in the picture in New England. He's been up and down, or he's been uh, kind of in and out of practice, but he's been getting a lot of first team reps and he's a guy that they're willing to give the ball to on the goal line. Uh, so, and with, you know, no Sony Michelle, uh, Sony Michelle is unlikely to be a, a factor anytime soon. Mike Gillisley is a guy that we need to start talking about again. Same with Jeremy Hill. I think that's still going to be a battle that they wage during the preseason, Mike Gillisley versus Jeremy Hill, and only one guy will make the roster. But, you know, there was a time where I thought maybe neither of them would make the roster, but I think that they're definitely going to keep one now with Sony Michelle on the shelf. Terrence West, Jonathan, Jonathan Williams. These guys are the uh, leader, lead competitors for that Mark Ingram role early in the season. One of those guys could flirt with fantasy value for sure you know, getting 8 to 11 touches per game. The Saints are going to be favored in each of their first four games. And, um, you know, they might they may be wiping the floor with some, some teams. They have a very soft early season schedule, and those guys can end up with some carries late in the game to put it away. Dante Foreman, I just want to list him here. I don't think he's going to be open the season on the active roster. Um, but, you know, and... You know, I went back and looked at the history of running backs with Achilles tears. I mean, literally zero success stories. Like, no running back has ever come back from a torn Achilles and been a productive player again in the NFL. It's really, really bleak. Um, So a lot of reasons for doubt on Dante Foreman, but I did want to have him here. He should be, I would think, at you know, just using intuition – he should be at a. He should have a, an elevated probability of maybe beating those odds, just because of how young he is. Um, and I think they're gonna. But I think they're gonna take it easy on him. And then rounding out the running back tiers altogether is Kalen Balage, who had a nice OTA slash minicamp, but it's been very very quiet for him so far. He's a very talented guy, uh, kind of an underachiever at Arizona State. But he's a big back who can catch passes. And if Kenyon Drake or Frank Gore goes down, he would be next up to enter that committee. 
So much unbelievable information, Evan. I love it. Really impressive. There's also a lot of information that you can get over at profootballfocus.com. They've got that PFF edge, Evan. Full access to PFF's player projections, fantasy draft guide and cheat seats, positional matchup charts, and, of course, their award-winning fantasy content. If you're a high-stakes dude, you step it up to PFF Elite and dive into the premium stats database for unique player performance stats from every position. Elite also unlocks the new Greenline Pick Center, DFS Optimizer, which is sweet, and much more. Remember, these guys evaluate and grade every player on every play and use that data to your advantage. Let's get to an email, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address, ross at rostucker.com. Put fantasy in the subject line or just make sure it's clear that it's for my dude, Evan. Uh, Hey, Ross, hope you are well. Um, I purchased some sacks, which I love. It's amazing how many people that listen to Fantasy Feast but purchase the sacks underwear because the ballpark pouch is a game changer. The code for that is Tucker, and it's up on the sponsor page at RossTucker.com. So here's a question for Evan. What percentage is a good winning percentage in MFL 10s? Two years ago, he won 20% of his leagues. Last year, he won 27% of his leagues. 10% means you break even, obviously. Just curious how the average person does and how the experts do. Justin Christopher, who, by the way, is a pastor, executive pastor at the Midtown Church. So yesterday we had a theologian, you know, as our guest. Today we've got the executive pastor of the Midtown Church who's up 20, you know, won 20% of his leagues two years ago and 27% last year. That sounds pretty good to me, Evan. I don't know. You know what this pastor sounds like? Like, this is a humble brag. (laughs) He just emailed in to tell us how good he is. Is that good? Is that good? (laughs) Yeah, right, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm doing this podcast in my car, and I'm not good at math off the top of my head, but... You, you know, you enter a league with 12 teams and your chances of winning that 12 team league is one out of 12. So, you know, whatever percentage that is, um, which is certainly below 20 or 27 percent. And then you do have to account for rake. And, you know, I, I think that the rake is I don't know exactly what the rake is. You know, I'd have to look that up, which I, I obviously could, and anybody can. Um, but I want to say it's twenty bucks a league or something, or, or it's at least ten, somewhere between ten and twenty bucks a league, I think. And so, you know, you can adjust your percentage based on that. But yeah, I mean, if your win rate is one out of five, which is you know twenty percent, and you're playing in leagues where, you know, you're where your win rate is really supposed to be one out of 12, you're crushing it. So congratulations, pastor. You know, you have made your appearance on the fantasy feast and, and had a, an all time humble brag. Well done. 
Uh, one out of twelve, by the way, is eight point three percent. So, like eight point three percent is what? Right. So he's more than he more than doubled it in two thousand sixteen, and then he more than tripled it in two thousand seventeen. Hey, um, Evan, maybe I'll write into the podcast and say. Hey guys, my name is Ross. I went to Princeton and played in the NFL for seven years. I don't really want—I don't really have a question. I just want to know: is that good? <laughs> exactly. Is that good? Uh, I love it. Justin's a good guy. I know Justin. It's awesome. You know what else is excellent? Dollar Shave Club. We were talking about some stuff earlier that's good for you. For you guys, how about Dollar Shave Club, man? By now, I think you guys are all already members of the Shave Club in terms of the razors. I don't know anybody that's not at this point. I'm sure there's some people that aren't, but unless you have like a big, furry, bushy beard, you should be a member of Dollar Shave Club. But now it's about their other stuff. Now it's about the one-wipe Charlies. It's about the shave butter, which is better than any shaving cream you've ever used in your life. Try Just try it once and tell me it's not. It is. I'm telling you, it is. There's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just five bucks, you can get their daily essentials starter set. Comes with the body cleanser, those one-wipe Charlies, their amazing butt wipes, the world-famous shave butter, their best razor, the six-blade executive. Then you just keep the blades coming for a few more bucks a month. Add in shampoo, toothpaste, anything else you need. For the bathroom, check it all out at dollarshaveclub.com slash feast. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash feast. Five bucks for that daily essentials starter set. The Tears of Evan, absolutely essential. And you guys getting in the league to go against Evan and I, that's essential too. Let's do it. I want to, I want to, I want to go against you guys. I want Justin Christopher. I want all these guys. They're twenty-seven percent, or they they win their league every time. Let's do this. Let's see what you guys have. Take advantage of any of the sponsors, Dollar Shave Club or Pro Football Focus. Or I went to that uh, the the athletic link I was telling you guys about, or SeatGeek, or Keeps, or any of them. Let's do it. Let's see what you guys got. Take advantage of any of those. Potentially even rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Send it to me, Ross at RossTucker.com, and maybe you'll be one of the three names I name next week to be in the season-long redraft league against Evan and I for the Fantasy Feast, the official contest of the Fantasy Feast, the official season-long league. Other than that, as you can tell, that was two awesome shows. I am totally stuffed. We're done. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Even Money, and the College Draft Podcast, all available on iTunes at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts can be found.